Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody listening live. This is a wonderful Sunday morning. I hope you're enjoying yourself. But you've tuned in today either through podcast or through live listening to the wonderment of scientific hand analysis and palm reading. This is Dr. Carol Francis. I'm a clinical psychologist and I am really excited to bring to you a relationship coach who uses scientific verifiable information associated to your palm. But is this palm reading? Well, we're going to get all of these sorts of things clarified with our professional, our expert, Linda Salazar. Linda, how are you doing this morning? I am great, Carol. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm glad to have you here. You have a lot of books, seminars coming up. I want people to know how to contact you. But before we walk into any of that, why is scientific hand analysis something people should even contemplate integrating into their life? Well, I have to tell you, Carol, it is the one tool that I have found to be so incredibly accurate into allowing people to understand themselves at the depth of their soul, quite honestly, and literally, and to understand their personality traits and their challenges and the things that keep them stuck. Because I think the one thing I really want to make very clear is that this is not about prediction. The hands are not predictive. I'm not going to I don't tell people when they're going to get married, how many kids they're going to have, how long they're going to live, if they're going to come into a fortune. This isn't what it's about. It's really a combination of ancient palmistry, if you will, present-day scientific data, and current advances in human psychology and philosophy. And the beautiful thing about it is it's repeatable, it's teachable, and there is zero psychic ability involved because the information that we have stored in us is literally sitting in our hands and it's all directly related to our brain processing. You know, it's it's beautifully said. We are so eager to find out about who we are. So we go to our DNA markers or we try to understand our neurological wiring and understand the glitches as well as the strengths that we have in the scientific realm. And now you look at the palm of your hand and you say, that has information that is physiologically or structurally informative about about what? About what aspects of us? Well, let me put it to you this way. The lines on the hands are a map of the major neural pathways of the brain. So they are literally an energy outlet that actively reflects the past and the present on this energetic level. So the shape of the hands, the lines on the hands, the color and the texture of the hands, it, as well, they can all let us know about the emotional and thinking pattern. And all of this, believe it or not, can change on a cellular level as we change our thinking on an emotional level. Lines can shorten. Lines can grow longer. Fingers can bend or straighten over time. And color can absolutely change in an instant. So it has everything to do with our 
physiology that's going on within us on a cellular level and how we're thinking and how we're taking in information and how we're dealing with it emotionally. And we hold that. We store that so that when I get these hands in front of me or I get hand prints, I'm literally reading information that is coming through someone from that brain processing, if you will. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense, but you do know that I have to be <laughs> conscientious enough to ask you what science or facts or scientific research or physiological research right. are you quoting? What has been what has well, been advanced here, a lot here, of here is the thing about um, this particular hand analysis system, which was introduced to, by a gentleman named Richard Unger, who is the author of Life Prints, and Richard has been doing this for 40 years and has done an enormous amount of trial and error uh, experiments through the hand reading process. You know, there's books that uh, were written by a gentleman by the name of the Benham, the Benham Book of Palmistry, William G. Benham, which was written back in 1900 that we're pulling information from. And then there's the Book of the Hand, written back in 1965. And Richard did such an enormous study around this. And as he was discovering certain things that were showing up in the hands that were consistent to some extent, but not to another, he then came into another component of the hands, the fingerprints. And then the fingerprints, the dermatoglyphics, the skin carving in the hands, actually brought everything together to make it valid in the information he was able to determine for those he, were, he was reading for. Because the fingerprints is what he has determined holds the soul's agenda, which is the life purpose, the life lesson, and something called the life school, how we filter the world through our own eyes and belief systems. And everything else in the hand, which I spoke about a moment ago, the lines and the bends of the fingers and the colors, the texture, all of that is basically containing our personality traits, and that changes. The fingerprints, however, do not trade, tra do not change. And so it's through bringing the two of them together that the information becomes um, solidified and proven to be correct, because basically what's happening is you're, you're telling people this information, and they're relating to it. You see, this is not information that they don't necessarily relate to. There is something within every single person, when they hear certain information being given to them, they get it. It makes sense to them. And it's opening up a part of them, an awareness, that they did not understand why certain aspects of themselves were being showing up over and over and over again. And it's when we bring in the fingerprints, that soul's agenda, and combine it with the um, personality traits that it all starts to come together. The issue here that you're really asking about is that this is pretty new. And even though Richard's been doing this for 40 years, this whole concept of scientific hand analysis is fairly new in terms of it being exposed to the world, if you will. So it is us, the scientific hand analysts, that are consistently looking for er empirical evidence that makes it consistent and saying, yes, this is becoming factual, this is factual. And I discover that every single time I read a hand. 
I have yet to come across information that I've given someone that doesn't make sense to them, that they don't understand instantly, that they understand as we discuss it further, and they get it at their soul's level. So it's kind of an ongoing process. And it's due getting together all of us who are hand analysts that are willing to share our information, our evidence that we keep coming forth with or determining through our hand analysis process with people and sharing it with each other. And that's exactly what Richard is doing because Richard has ongoing classes and he's constantly learning and teaching and discovering new things that then we get to go out and try for ourselves. I hope that you know, answers the question somewhat. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, Linda, it, it comes to mind that almost in every field or endeavor of science, you first start off with a narrative. And a collection of narratives that become uh, collaborative or consistent or they kind of confirm the same information over and over again, those narratives become so accumulated, they eventually become either a truth or it provides scientists an opportunity to kind of say, okay, we have this consistency. How do we measure it so that we know that consistency is indeed factual as opposed to just our perception of it? Has has scientific hand analysis gone past the collection of narratives into um, those more empirical statistical analyses or has scientific hand analysis even uh, measured the neurological links in the brain to a line that goes across my hand, so to speak? You know, I don't know that I can answer that question uh, fully, to be very honest with you. I can tell you that I have witnessed myself, and maybe this answers the question, uh, because I'm not, I'm not clear on studies that are out there that are showing that, Carol, and it's a great question, and now that you asked it, I'm going to go research that. But <laughs> what I have Absolutely seen for yes. myself, what I've seen for myself is when I've done um, hand reading for someone who has gone through some trauma in their life and looked at the hands and saw just a massive amount of lines, almost so overwhelming and confusing and chaotic it was difficult to read, and then said, I want to do this again uh, in a year, in eight months, and did do it with that person. Not Well, I shouldn't say, I'd say about 50 to 60% of the lines when it were gone. When the trauma was over, they were settled back into their life, they had gotten themselves back on track. Some lines were shorter, some lines were longer. So I got to witness myself, and it's not the only time, but this one was so significant that it kind of took my breath away. And I used it as an example of, yes, in fact, there's a brain processing going on here. There is a, a shift in one's thinking that's saying, okay, a year ago your hands looked like this, a year later they look like this. You're calmer, you're more centered, you're more um, at ease, the fear has gone away, and so have so many of the lines and different shifts within the hand and even some fingers, a finger straightening out that was bent before. So for me, that was enough in the moment to go, wow. You know, and I've seen changes in my own hand. I've seen sh the shape of my hand start to change because what used to look like an air hand is starting to look like an earth hand, which was very surprising to me. So it, it's ongoing as far as I'm concerned, and, and I think okay. it, it will always be. So I'm going to challenge all the listeners, either the ones that are live right now or on the podcast, to take prints of your hands that are really complete. <laughs> Put them completely put prints of your hands, store it somewhere, a diary, a, a file of some sort, 
and then take another print in 365 days. Let us know what you find out in terms of any shifts taking place. In addition, you can actually work with Linda Salazar on your handprints. And Linda, how do they go about contacting you? What is it like to work with you? How do they do it if they're in India, if they're in Australia, if they're in in Torrance? How, how do you deal with that? I actually send them an ink kit. It's very simple. And it's just a couple of ink sheets with instructions and how to um, take prints of their own hands and it goes in a self-addressed stamped envelope. If we're dealing with India, I've done people in Malaysia, and you know we work it out with long distance, that extreme long distance mailing. Uh, so it's literally me sending out the kit and with instructions, and then having them send it back to me. And then if it's that far out, you know, with, as you start talking about with India, with the woman in Malaysia, we did it over Skype, where I had the prints, and then I could just talk through Skype with her. Um, if it's here in the United States, then it's simply we get on the phone and everything is recorded so that they ultimately have an MP3 recording of the reading. And if people want to be able to look at their prints while I'm talking to them and see what I'm talking about, then I always can uh, email them a copy of their prints so that they can have it right there in front of them as well. So it can be done anywhere over the world. And if they want to do it, they can go ahead. How do they contact you? Uh, through my website is probably the easiest, which is uh, yourheartisinyourhands.com. Yourheartisinyourhands.com. And they, there's my information, contact information. They can email through there. Or Linda at yourheartisinyourhands.com also is an easy way to do it. Okay, very good. And then also I have that information on the front page of this program as well. Well, Linda, now that they know how they can contact you and now that we've asked them to participate in the scientific collection of data, um, there would be one more thing I would wish them all to do, and that is maybe perhaps write down a profile of who they are and what life is going through and then maybe be able to provide that profile. Maybe we need to collect narratives from people and their self-awareness. But let's move Mm. into the next aspect of this and how – do you help people through this? And what are some examples that you know have just made a tremendous difference in people's lives when they have used the scientific hand analysis with you? Well, as you said at the beginning of the show, my work is around relationships. And, and for me, it's not just intimate relationships, but all relationships, whether it's with a, a, a um, sister or brother or mother or father or coworker, any relationship that there's challenges. And what I've discovered with the hand analysis, and I will say up front that I no longer do coaching work with people until I have a hand analysis in front of me or until I have a handprint in front of me and have done an analysis simply because it has literally cut my detective work and what's really going on for somebody in half. And so it allows us to get to the root core of everything that they're struggling with. So I think the best way to, to do this is one particular client was really struggling in a long-term relationship. It had been nine years and lots of therapy and nothing seemed to be changing. And when I did her hand analysis, one of the first things I look at, especially in regard to relationships, is the heart line because that's where the emotional style sits. The heart line tells me, by the way, the heart line is the line at the top of the palm that starts underneath the pinky and it can travel anyway, anywhere from over to the middle finger to ending underneath the index finger. And it can be curved or straight. And all of that tells me 
about somebody's emotional style and their innate relationship way of behavior, how they want to be loved and how they give their love and how they connect and communicate with people. So one of the first things I did was I saw that she had two very strong, passionate heart lines on both hands. And when I explained to her that the passionate heart type is somebody who is spontaneous and kind of gregarious and likes excitement, and they want to make sure they get their needs met, and they don't like to be bored, and they can often be the life of the party, I said, what's happening here is that you're most likely acting more like a big heart because this is what happens with many women who have a passionate heart line. And the big heart is very nurturing and caring and a compassionate, great listener, and they put others' needs first versus putting their needs first. So she was literally acting in opposite of her emotional style. And when I shared this information with her, she she started to cry because once she heard what the passionate heart type was like, she resonated so deeply with it. And in that moment, she said to me, oh, my God, I have been blaming my partner all these years for something that he actually hasn't done anything wrong about. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, I keep taking care of him. I keep doing things for him. And I don't pay any attention to my own needs. And I realize I've been brought up to be that way, but that's not who I really am. So we looked at other aspects in the hands and her life lesson and the challenges, and ultimately she released so much anger in literally five minutes that that night when she went to dinner with him, she shared with me later that he said to her, I don't know what's different, but I don't feel any anger coming off of you. Something's different with you. What's going on? And she then told him about her experience with the hand analysis and talked about the passion heart and all the things she had been doing and how she had been blaming him. And it opened up this dialogue that they had never had before. And he then shared information and stuff about himself with her, and it literally turned their relationship around 180 degrees. So just knowing one piece like that and recognizing how we're not being our real, honest type, if you will, in her case, the passionate type, it can have such a detrimental reaction or impact in our life without even understanding why. So that's just one area, one way that it can have a huge impact. And it's still a constant working process for them, but they have a very different dialogue now. Oh, that's a beautiful example. And I know I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but mm-hmm. can you choose one line on our hands and walk us through the various possibilities, like all the different type of heart lines, um, so that the listeners can look at their hands and say, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder if I'm this, this, and this. Yeah. And, of course, with all due respect, I want them to contact you for verification. I don't want this to be an easy thing to do where they can actually make a mistake but at the same time what what can you share with us what can we do right now with ourselves well i am going to talk about the heart line i mean it's my favorite part on the hand and it's one that is so um critical i think when it comes to us really understanding why we can have such turmoil in our various relationships and it's the one area that when we become our type our emotional style type it, it sets us free in so many ways. 
So there are four different heartline types. The one I just spoke about, which is the passionate. Passionate again. That's some. It, it is. It starts underneath the pinky finger, and this one has a pretty big curve that heads up underneath the middle finger. Now there are variables to this, and obviously, if you're not a trained reader, then you know you're going to question it a little bit. But when it has a trajectory that's moving from the pinky and heading up towards the middle finger. It's a passionate. What will sometimes happen, which happens on my hand, it will look like it's heading up to the middle finger, but then kind of take a sneak over to the index finger, and that's the passionate playing the role of the big heart, something what I just spoke about with my client. Again, the passionate is somebody who really likes excitement, and they don't want to be bored, and it is important that they get their needs met, and they can be spontaneous. They're fiery. You know, they're just... They can stand in a room of people and be the entertainment, if you will. Then there is really quite the opposite, which is the hermit. The hermit type, the, again, it starts under the, the, the line starts under the pinky, and it travels over ending pretty much underneath the middle finger, and it's straight. Occasionally it'll have a bend to it, which is more a social hermit, but not much of a bend. But for the most part, it ends right underneath the middle finger, and in some cases, if it's an extreme hermit, it'll even end before the middle finger, but I rarely see that. The hermit type actually has a difficult time sharing their feelings. They are often busy working. They don't like clinginess, and they will show their love by the actions they do, much more so than their verbal uh, expression. And they're very loyal, and they actually expect the same from others. The romantic idealist, this is where it starts under the pinky and it's a straight line that goes all the way across the hand ending underneath the index finger or pretty close to it. These people are incredibly considerate and thoughtful and sometimes their considerateness can be an internal struggle for them because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So they can often, they'll think, think, think about how they feel, feel, feel because they don't want to say the wrong thing to someone, and they're going to avoid conflicts at all costs. And they also love deep, meaningful conversations. And then the last one is the big heart, and that starts under the pinky and travels with a a gentle curve going up to the index finger. Again, as I mentioned earlier, that's somebody who's incredibly nurturing and caring, and they need connection to others, and they're empathetic. They're a great listener and they will show their feelings easily. Now, there is something to be said about all of this. And as Richard Unger has said, it's called the Goldilocks rule. And we all know about Goldilocks and the three bears, right? Too much, too little, just right. It's the same thing with the emotional style. We can play too much of our emotional style and forget about what it is to get to the other side of the pendulum so that we understand how to be in the just right place. So if we're a big heart, we can completely forget about ourselves. We can completely eliminate any boundaries and just be there for people, go into burnout, and then end up resentful because we're being too much of the big heart. So what happens is people need to learn what it means to be too much and then try on too little of it so they can get to the balanced place, to the just right place. So often I will find that people are either being too little or too much of their particular emotional style, and then it's about learning how to get to the just right place. And those are the four heart lines. 
That's, that's very interesting. Now you, now, you said that they go, I got a little bit confused, so I just wanted okay. to maybe, maybe it was just me, but there, there's there's some that end under the middle finger, some that yep. end under the index finger, I'll go all the way across the hand. Can you just go through the placement of that again and just the label yep. associated with that? Yeah, the hermit and the passionate will end under the middle finger. Okay, the, middle the hermit. Finger. Yep, and the hermit is a straight line. The passionate has a curve to it. The big heart and the romantic idealist will end under the index finger. And the romantic idealist is straight, and the big heart has a nice gentle curve up to the index finger. Okay, very good. Now, these have been verified by what sort of tests or experiences or personality tests? I'm so curious about how this has been verified because I want to let the listeners know that one reason you've embraced the system is that it has moved away from palm reading where it's like all about your future and it seems hokey pokey into something that really seems to be connected to our DNA markers, our our neurology, our present situation. So what has this been based on, the statistical information about these four divisions? Well, again, I'm going back to Richard, because Richard over the past 40 years has been studying this information and then bringing it to um, present-day hand analysts. And the names that – so all I can tell you is that I'm taking my information based on his past 40 years of experience and his past studying of pretty much every book out there that has ever been written on hand analysis. Richard is has what's called a, a simian line in his hand, and it's one who can just go into the depths of studying and gathering information and then distilling it and turning around and disseminating it and teaching it to others. Um, so I'm literally taking my teachings based on everything he has shared and then utilizing that information which he has brought from 40 years' experience and studies and putting it into my work and finding out that every single time it's a match, every single time. And so it leaves me under because when it was done to me, okay, this is how it all started. When I had, I went into this going, woo, woo, whatever, okay, I'm just going to do it, what the heck, what have I got to lose? And then my mouth dropped open when this woman started giving me information about myself that she knew at such a deep level. I mean, talking about my emotional style, I too was in tears because she had never met me, we had never talked. All she did, she had my hands. So that's what really solidified it for me because I had direct experience and every single thing that was shared with me was dead on. And so every time I go into another reading, I am getting the same feedback from people over and over and over and over again. And after 70,000 hands on his end, he too is getting feedback that is statistically telling him, yes, this is an absolute. So fascinating. Again, how can people contact you to get their own personal reading? Linda at your heart is in your hands dot com and hands is plural or three one zero three seven five forty eight hundred. Linda, I happen to know you personally 
but just mm-hmm. to a, a certain degree, not not completely familiar with you, but I look at the books that you've written. You have one on Awakening the Genie Within, which I would thoroughly enjoyed reading. Parents in Love, 52 Tips for Magical Marriage, 101 Great Ways to Improve Your Life, Volume 2. Um, you, you clearly have a passion for letting people know that inside of them exists the guidance, the clarity in, that they need in order to live life and their relationships in a way that's satisfying, not only to themselves, but to the people that they're affecting. But that's just part of who you are. So who are you when they meet you, when these clients meet you, who are you that you have this deep passion inside you to awaken the genie within each person, including understanding the, the genie in your hand? That's a great question because nobody's ever asked me that question. And, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because if I were to take this from my own hand analysis and looking at what my life purpose is, which is a uh, communicative leader in the spotlight uh, and messenger. You know, Carol, I... I don't even have a a sound answer in the sense that there is something within me that enables me to just inherently understand where somebody is coming from and know what is the best direction to help them, to guide them. And, you know, I have a gift marking on my hand called the Gifted Healer. You have one, too. And it enables us to be the know thyself specialist. In other words, to be able to really help people um, with understanding themselves at a deeper level and giving information that gets them on a path that's going to support their highest good and to awaken themselves within. I, you know, who I am is somebody who cares deeply about other human beings and there is nothing more important to me in in my life which is perhaps why relationship work is the core of what I do there's nothing more important than all of us finding ways to understand each other and to be able to meet somewhere in the middle so that we can appreciate what someone else brings into this lifetime and be able to put aside our beliefs in a moment of conversation and just hear what someone else is saying for the possibility that what they're saying actually might be even have greater truth than what I might have originally believed. So I think there's just this ability to stay open and a willingness to honor what someone else is sharing and then when they are struggling to know that they have the answers inside of them already. I really, really believe that every single soul on this planet has the answers within. And based on questions we ask them, I ask them, and reframing conflicts that they're feeling or struggles that they're going through so that they can see it in a new light and let them just kind of hold that for a minute and see how it feels, what ultimately happens is that when we reframe something that we have been holding on to in such a negative way, it makes sense. There is a greater truth around it because our souls know that everything that we are experiencing is for our highest good, is for our greater learning. And that's really all I'm 
wanting to do for people and, and, and is to be able to keep them waking up to the consciousness that you are here to grow, to expand, to learn, and it's not necessarily easy work, but there is a simple process to it, and it's that willingness to look within and be awake to the possibilities that it can be different than what it is. And the hand analysis allows me to tell people where their challenges can be, where what their lessons are because of those fingerprints, and how they can begin to move through that while honoring that they can only move at a certain pace and not necessarily push them any harder or faster than they're really ready to go. Sometimes I'll give a little gentle kick because when I believe that they are ready and they, they're just afraid, but most of the time it's like, okay, this is your step, that's your next step, and honoring where someone is and not making it about me. You know, it doesn't matter if I could get there faster. This is about them. This is their work. This is their process. And i got to step into their process with them. So individuals are going to be in good hands while you are having your hands analyzed and because she's authentic. And in addition, Linda, your readings provide a lot of detail. It's almost going through the reading with you so I would know what we were doing today. I was struck with how detailed and expansive the information was that you wanted to give. Clearly, the time that we spent on it, which was considerable, even then there could have been more information that could have been gleaned from the experience of it. So when someone does a hand analysis with you, uh, please be aware that you you might have almost more information, which is so much better than to have less information. Linda, once again, they can reach you through yourheartisinyourhands.com, hands is plural. Linda, when looking at our hands, we are all faced with some sort of conflicts that are either related to our sense of fear, our inadequacies, our feelings uh, of, that have been hampered by our past experiences, uh, by not knowing how to do something, or conflicts that we get embroiled in. I and mean, if we go on and on about why people walk into the difficulties of their life, where, where do you look on the hand to understand conflicts or, or fears? Where, where do you look? <laughs> Is that just well, too broad of a question? No, it's not too broad. I mean, the first the first thing is looking at someone's life lessons, which show up in the fingerprints. And once I have a sense of what that life lesson is, then I can look at other aspects of the hands. You know, there's these uh, lines that are called um, challenge lines, which they they can they start around uh, the area between the thumb and the index finger. Sometimes they can come right out of the thumb, the lower thumb area, which is the throat chakra. And they just move across the hand, and they end in certain areas. And depending upon where it ends, where that particular challenge marker ends, it's telling me that, for instance, if one line ends right under the um, Apollo finger, I wanted to say, which that's Palmese talk, I shouldn't do that, the ring finger um, under the heart line, it's telling me what we call in the hand analysis is the tomato fears aspect, that there's a great challenge for somebody coming out in a public way and standing in their truth and being who they really are and showing their world their creativity. So when I see that and I see that the line goes right there and that there's a white spot on their heart line, I can speak to them about that. And they can really 
resonate with it. So now what's happening is they're feeling witnessed. And I think, Carol, that's probably the biggest word that I hear from people with the hand analysis mm-hmm. is that they feel witnessed for their first time in their life because I'm sharing information that they really know about themselves at such a deep level and I'm, and it's being understood. They're not feeling crazy anymore. So with these challenge lines, they can end in, in various aspects of the hand and then I can combine it with the life lesson that's going on and even their life school. So when you start to make all these connections, if you will, and marry these various markers, you really have a theme that's developing in people's hands. And there's also something that takes place in hands that is called the delicious dilemma, where the hand shows one thing and then it has an opposite thing that can bring conflict. So, for instance, we may have what's called a water hand, somebody who's incredibly emotional, long, thin, seaweedy fingers, and a long, narrow palm. But I look at their heart line, and it's a hermit heart line. And a hermit person has a very difficult time showing their emotions. Right there is a delicious dilemma. And I, have to, I want to find out from that person, you know, are you holding in your emotions and yet just screaming to let them out, but you're embarrassed by it, and we have a conversation around that. And all of a sudden... They feel like, oh, my God, I'm not going insane. No wonder I have this turmoil going on inside of me. So it works like that. And there's so many variables that I could go for hours talking about the different variables. But depending on the hand I'm looking about, looking at, it will determine what I'm going to put some major focus on. So when you say that the person feels witnessed, you're saying it ties into – that a person looks at something that's concrete about themselves, like yes. like lines of hands, and they they can say, "Wow, you mean this is there? Therefore, it's not something I'm creating that I'm crazy or that I'm I'm immature or I'm malfunctioning. It, it's it's that there's something about me that fuels this situation, and if I understand that about me, yes. I can possibly maneuver better. Absolutely, you know one." Example that is so prominent in a lot of the women that I've done readings for and coach with is a life lesson around powerlessness. And they often will struggle in their relationships. And when they understand that their lesson, that they literally, their soul came into this lifetime to work through this lesson around powerlessness so that they could literally step into their power, their leadership. But for whatever reason, they chose this lifetime to work on that, then they're going to create scenarios, if you will, have relationships that is going to give them that opportunity to work on that powerlessness. And when they get that they have this lesson and it's brought to their consciousness, because most lessons are our blind spots. Mine was a blind spot for me. I didn't even believe it when I first heard it until I started witnessing it in my life over the next 24, 48 hours. I saw it because it was brought to the forefront of my consciousness. So when I'm able to do that for somebody, now they can go out and they can start to see every time they step into their power, powerlessness and do something about it versus just going down that rabbit hole again. That's a very Can you give us some thing. examples now of, of people without uh, breaking the confidentiality? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a... 
it, it's a friend, and um, she also was a client for, and but really a friend. So I'm going to work it as a friend, and she's in the process of finally have just recently left her husband. And her whole marriage for a very many, I'm not even going to go into the amount of years, it was a very long, long marriage, she gave away her power. And this is part of her life lesson among a few other things, but this was the key. And she literally three weeks ago walked away, and we are working to build her up into owning her power and stepping into her truth and being her emotional type. And what I am seeing is a magnificent transformation in this woman. As fearful as it was going through the process, she is literally, I I mean, I wish I could share the emails that are coming through, the texts that are coming through, that is just having her step into her truth, into who she really is, and feeling free for the first time her entire life and willing to now go and step into her life purpose, which she has not been doing. And this is what happens, is that when we move through these lessons, we can then, and that's the purpose, I mean, that is the whole idea, is as we move through our lessons, as we expand ourselves, we are stepping up into being able to become what our life purpose is asking us to be. So every time we become aware of our lessons and we start to turn them into the inverse, which means that the powerlessness becomes a leader stepping into one's power, we now have the ability to move into the purpose for being here, which also is revealed in the fingerprints. Remember, the fingerprints show the life purpose, the life lessons, and the life school how we view the world through our own filter system. Okay, let's let's move into that. Let's talk about those fingerprints and those three aspects of it. What are the different variables that people might look for? Again, the details are going to be in the reading with you, but what are the different variables they might look for? Variables in terms of the... The, the prints and also in terms of the different uh, delineations of the prints that you look for on those three levels. Okay, so if we're talking about, you're talking about the different life purposes and the different life lessons and things of that nature and the different life schools? Yes, exactly. Specifically? Okay. All right. Um, All right, let's talk for a moment about the life schools because there's less of those. There's the school, the, the life school is really a backdrop that is constantly playing in your life movie consciousness. And it's how you show up in the world with your behavior on how you're viewing the world through your filter system. So there is the school of love, there is the school of service, there is the school of peace, and there is the school of wisdom. The school of service people are here to really be of service, that they want to do for others. And they are here to learn how to be in service versus servitude. The school of peace is learning to be grounded, to be in balance, to feel safe in one's body, to not have all these sticks, um, plates on a stick spinning at once and feeling like your life is just kind of out of control. It's about finding a place of being able to do things in balance. The school of wisdom is learning to get off the fence, 
people in the School of Wisdom want to be able to want to research, research, research before they're willing to take the leap. And it can stop them from actually taking the leap. So sometimes they have to learn to take the leap without having all the information sitting in front of them. And then the School of Love is really about people learning how not to stuff their feelings and to be able to share what they have to say from their truth and not do it in an explosive way. Because when they stuff their feelings, stuff their feelings, stuff their feelings, what ends up happening is then they explode and all this stuff comes out and it's not done in a calm way. So every school has its way of being too much, too little, just right, just like the heart lines. And that's all determined by how many of the same fingerprint patterns you have will determine what school you're in. The life lessons. Okay. Any questions okay. with that? I, again, I want the listeners to know how to reach you because this information is deep and profound. Your heart, your heart is in your hands. Dot com. Please, this is. Linda, you have made these readings so affordable, so usable for people, and your time and your knowledge base. It will, it will give them such a clearer sense of who they are, being able to reflect on themselves. And being able to make decisions with a lot more consciousness, openness, awareness. So, yes, go on into the next. We've learned about our schools. Go on to the next. Please, listeners, take your notes, but give Linda a call. Contact her. All right, continue, Linda. Okay, your life lessons. Again, they're determined by the fingerprint, and it's the lowest-ranking fingerprint that determines the life lesson. And when I say lowest versus highest, one is not better than another. There are four different types of fingerprints. There's the whorl, which is the highest-ranking fingerprint. It's kind of a circle-like print on the fingertip. There is the tented arch, which kind of looks like an upside-down tent pole. There's the arch, and then there is a loop. Now, I said that a little bit out of order, but the whorl is the highest-ranking the loop would be the most, uh, not highest ranking, the whorl is the most difficult print to make when we're in the womb, which is how it begot the highest ranking print. The loop, which kind of looks like a lasso, would be the second most difficult print to make when we're in the womb because these prints are created five months before we're born, and then they never change throughout our lifetime, unlike everything else in the hand, which does change. And then we've got the tented arch, which is the third most difficult. And then we've got the arch, which is the easiest print to make when we're in the womb. So if somebody's got three whorls and they've got two arches, now I know the arches are their life lesson because it's the lowest ranking print in the hand. So what determines the lesson is how where your lowest ranking print sits on what finger. And there are ten different lessons just as there are 10 different purposes, and there can be combinations of all of these. And I'm not going to go into all of that because it gets very confusing, and there's a lot there. So, again, the purpose is determined by which fingers have the highest ranking print. The lesson is determined by which finger or fingers have the lowest ranking prints. And then the school is determined by which fingers have the most similar type of fingerprints. So so if we understand okay, so again, complicated but well worth investigating. So you're 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 saying that these three things, the school, the lessons, the purpose, those are embedded in your soul is what you're saying. That's that's who you're 
your essence is in terms of walking the path of this life. Um, yeah, that's what we came in here to work through. Okay. That, so yeah. to know that and then to know all the other lines and it, it provides a sense of identity, a sense of, oh, this is this makes sense. Okay, I can follow this with ease, with comfort, with understanding. I don't have to fight myself or ponder or wonder or feel in chaos over this. I can, okay, this helps me understand. Okay, let me move forward with this. Is that the hope? Yeah, but, you know, Carol, is is it not the biggest thing on the planet right now, like finding one's purpose? <laughs> right? That's like the biggest hot subject right now. And the truth of the matter is your fingerprints are going to tell you what your purpose is specifically and then how you get to apply that into your life. I mean, that's the thing that's so magnificent in regard to hand analysis. People can be given their life purpose through determining what their fingerprints are saying and why it is a struggle for them to get there and how we can begin to process a breaking through in order to step into their life purpose. And you know how what? Nice Some anybody... people's life... What's that? I'm sorry. How nice for anybody to know my life purpose is, is along this path and yours is different. Mm-hmm. Gee, we don't have to be the same. We can be different human beings. I don't have to make my purpose your purpose. It's, it's like well, here's the other individuality of it. Yes, and here's the interesting thing, is people can have same life purposes as far as the way the words are, are, but depending on what else is showing up in the hands is is what's going to determine how they go about creating that life purpose, which is what makes us so beautifully individual. We all are here to put our own stamp on what we are driven to do. That's a, that's a funny way to say it. It's like we're stamped with our fingerprints on the tips of our fingers. <laughs> yeah. But but we can create so many different things out of out of our own unique configuration of that. Can you give us some example, Linda, of clients, again, without disclosing any identity, where their discovery of life purpose just eased or made them move so with such facility and power? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I actually... This I love because this person's life purpose was all around family. And it was the one area that the highest fingerprint was. And she was working in the corporate world and she had three children and she was pretty miserable and came to me because she was so miserable. And I said, well, there's a good reason you're miserable because you have one life purpose and it is about family and community. And as I look at other information in your hands, and the shape of the hand, the earth earth shape, um, you're an earth mama. You want to be home. You want to be raising your children. You don't want to be in the corporate world. You want to be home taking care of your children. And she started to cry. I, I have this habit of making people cry, but I think it's a good cry. And <laughs> she just, she said, yes. I said, that's what you get to do. And she said, well, how do I do that? We have this big house. We have this. We have this car. I said, well, you get to make a choice here. You get to downsize, you get to get rid of the fancy cars, you get to get rid of the fancy clothes because you won't need them anymore because you won't be in corporate. You need to talk to your husband. You need to get together, sit down, and tell your truth. And she was a big heart on top of it. She was this nurturing, caring, empathetic person. She was meant to be a mother. She was meant to take care of her family. And she called me. We did a few sessions just to help her kind of, 
get into this process of speaking to her husband and letting go of the financial stuff. And, you know, they were making a lot of money between the two of them, but she was suffering emotionally. And it took probably about four or five months, and six months into it, she quit her job. They downsized. Everything changed, and she has never been happier in her life. And even I share that because taking care of one's family is a life purpose for some people. Absolutely. Absolutely. When have you had the reverse be true or someone felt like they were duty-bound to be in their family, but their 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 lifeline, their purpose was in such a different state? Mm, I can't say that I've had... Mm, I haven't personally come up again with that one. Oh, that's you know, you're saying where somebody uh, has a life purpose, any life purpose, for instance, that they're going well, like, against. Like a life person to be a leader or or make some significant change or be well, a speaker. Or, you know, yeah, you know, no, and they're, and yes. they're bound at home. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying, that they're bound at home. Mm. I can't. Yeah, I can't say that I've I've no. Mm-mm. And maybe it's because many of the clients that I have are are people who are working and not at home. Um so that might be why. That's interesting. You know, yeah, with the day the, the day and the sociology of what we How about men? Have you looked at their hands and uh, is there a, a a significant difference between male female sorts of issues that are part of the hand, or is, is everything genderless? Everything's pretty much genderless. You know, I mean, I've even had uh, a couple of men that I've read for that one guy, one gentleman in particular, uh, he had a very emotional hand and a very emotional headline, and uh, he always felt a little out of sorts being that guy. And when I told him this information about himself, it was like somebody gave him permission to just be who he was and stop trying to be some macho guy. So I find it to be genderless, quite honestly. I, you know, we all, the life lessons, the life, there's so many life lessons and only so many life purposes with the various combinations, and I have yet to find it to be anything, whether it's a man or a woman, that it makes any bit of difference. That's so interesting. How about in terms of nationality or uh, ra- racial background? haven't really found it to make a difference there either you know um somebody else had asked me that question and i for the people that i've read for that are of different nationalities at all just kind of you know maybe how they take in the information or how they can apply it into their own culture might be a little different but it certainly resonates the same way and then it's just a matter of determining how it's going to work for them within their own culture. Okay, here's another scenario. Have you ever had a couple say, are we compatible? Yeah. <laughs> Read our yeah. hands, are we compatible type? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the best, the, the most, one of my favorite things to do is to be able to do um, couple reading because then I can really help them see where their strengths are, where their uh, challenges may be, weaknesses may show up, and where they are compatible and where they have their conflicts and why they have the conflicts and how they can better better accept and appreciate each other for their frustrations about one another. Can you give us some example, again, without 
revealing anybody's secrets. But can you give us some examples? Hello? Oh my goodness, I think I have I have lost Linda temporarily. Linda, are you there? We are getting into some hot and some interesting sorts of issues here. And I'm going to see if possibly Linda can give us another call because it looks like the phone has clicked off. So Linda, give us another call again. Listen, I appreciate you listening and taking this and in terms of looking at your own hand. Now you can look at your partner's hand and say, okay, what about your hand? Well, tell me how I need to treat you better. Are you a hermit? Are you a passion part? Are you a, a, a big heart? How do I need to treat you so I don't step on you or violate your sensibilities so that I don't interfere with your progression in life and your life purposes, but instead can be a part of that? I think another application would be interesting to ask Linda when she comes back is what would it be like to look at your own child's hands and be able to say, wow, look at this little baby's hands has this swirl or this hike or that would let me know that, I can help that child enter into this world and be given the experiences they're going to feel congruent with their life purpose. That actually is part of our need to be sensitive to one another anyway, is to look at another person and say, you're different than me, I am me, I want to be sensitive to me, I want you to understand me, I want you to support me, and I also want to do it with this other person that's intricately part of my life. Now imagine doing this with a boss. Here's a boss. <laughs> life purpose or an employee, life purpose, what their experience is, who they are, understanding their uniqueness and all these different variables and knowing how to interact with them, support them, leave them alone, what freedoms to give, what guidance to give that's going to be congruent to who they are. Now, as a psychologist, we do this all the time with different personality tests. We do this all the time going in and life coaching or doing corporate coaching where we help them understand the differences and what the differences mean in terms of how to treat their employees, their subordinates, or their boss. It's more about the formula of human engineering and having the tools and information as to how to interface differently so that you can authenticate the other individual, help them be their best, feel at ease with you, and be able to move forward with what you need, and also be able to respond to yourself, how to get from that other person what you need, given what you know about yourself. In my mind, this is called human engineering. This is understanding the divisions, the dynamics, the complexities that are associated to human engineering. Understand how to manufacture together. Okay, it looks like I have lost Linda for reasons unbeknown to me, which is really a mystery. However, this is going to benefit you because I'm going to tell you exactly how to contact her. And I really would encourage you to go through hand analysis. I was a skeptic. I still am a little bit because I love scientific, verifiable information. That's my heart. That helps me feel like I'm not dealing with something strange. But when you are going through the analysis with Linda, you will be seriously hearing very detailed information that you can take with yourself and work for the rest of your life. And being able to listen to those tapes with her over and over and go, okay, okay, what is this? How do I integrate this information? How do you contact her? 310-375-4800. 310-375-4800. 
4800 is her phone number. Her website, once again, is Your Heart is in Your Hands. Your Heart is in Your Hands. She also has some wonderful classes that will be available for you. There's one that's coming up in the, at the end of July and another one that's going to start in September. The end of July is a workshop, I believe it's about the secret of the hearts and the hands-on experiences. That is um, July 28th. I'm looking at her website and the details are not there yet. There's another course that she's going to teach on Sunday evenings starting in September and ending in November that is all about your ability to be able to read the palm of your hand as well. I'm trying to see if I can get Linda back yet again, but I cannot. So therefore, as a consequence, I'm going to have to end this amazing interview with Linda. Uh, She is a very sincere individual. Again, I'm a skeptic. I love, however, being able to challenge my skepticism with people who are clear thinking, trying to find facts that we can reside upon, and also look into situations that are out of our normal perceptions or out of the box. And Linda Salazar meets all of those qualifications. Sincere, looks for the facts, and tries to be incredibly helpful. Well, this is Dr. Carol Francis, and I'm a clinical psychologist. And you can contact me as well for online sessions or person-to-person sessions. My offices are in the South Bay area or the beach cities of Los Angeles, or we can Skype. And my number is 310-543-1824, or take a look at my business email, drcarolfrancis.com. But most importantly, I thank you so much for listening to something different, unique, and possibly helpful, and would love to hear your feedback, perhaps on my Facebook or on my Twitter. And I have various Facebook sites. One to consider is Dr. Carol Francis Show, Dr. Carol Francis Radio Talk Show, or Dr. Carol Francis. Any of those would love to hear your reactions, your ideas, and Remember, if you haven't experienced it, make sure that you speak out of your truth and your factuality if you are going to challenge someone else's truth and their factuality. We can't attack what we've never actually tested. This is Dr. Carol Francis. Have a great day exploring yourself and understanding how to be a perfectly good, wise human engineer. <laughs> 